Well, happy Father's Day for you men out there. What better Sunday in my mind to celebrate Father's Day than a VBS Sunday as we're celebrating our kids and how much they mean to us. You know, partnering with you to help you raise your kids to know God is an honor and a privilege. And we at the st- on, on the staff here at Grace take that very seriously. Today, we celebrate all men of God who sacrifice and give of their time and their talents out of love for Him. And men, I think we could all agree that becoming a father doesn't necessarily make you a great dad, right? How many times uh, have we made mistakes as, as dads um, that we wish we could take back? In fact, for all of us, how many of you have ever made a mistake that started out with you not taking the time to listen to God? Raise your hands. For the rest of you, you're lying. <laughs> Right? You know, those thoughts, they get in your head sometimes, and they are so good. How many of you, maybe you've been there, you're thinking, I don't really need to pray about this. I just know this is the right thing to do. And then maybe weeks or months later, you realize, oh, I really shouldn't have made that decision. It could have been that someone was pushing your buttons, and you just thought for sure in that moment that those thoughts that were quickly coming to your mind were the perfect things to say in that moment. And five minutes later, you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that, right? I frankly amaze myself at some of the things that I have said and been convinced that it was what God wanted me to say in a moment of frustration, only moments later to wish I could take it back. Today, I want to talk to you about how to listen carefully to God, how to make sure that you don't make your life any more difficult, any more complicated than it already is by just doing what you think is best. And what we're going to see today is that our best decisions Our best ideas in life, they aren't the best until they have been submitted, until they have been offered up to God. And I'm not talking about this morning us telling God what we're about to do as we go to do it and asking for God's blessing on it. But when we take that time to pause, to to listen, to make sure that it's God that is speaking in our lives. Listen. God has given each one of us a brain, and it is a powerful tool that we can use to make wise decisions. But for whatever reason, God didn't make that organ in our, in our heads foolproof or infallible. And he warns us to not fully trust it. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say something pretty profound. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, on what you think is best. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, it says, and he will direct your paths. And then in verse 7, it it goes on and it says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom, but instead, fear God. This month, we are learning some really important truths from the Bible in the book of Old Testament book of Haggai. We're reflecting on the things that we're building on in this life, the things that we're focused on, whether it's our careers or our relationships those spaces in our lives that we give ourselves to bless others, to make a difference in other people's lives, so that we can be in the center of God's will and that we can live the most fulfilling life possible. Haggai is a book that was written over 2,000 years ago. From, it was about a people who love God, but they were preoccupied with building on the wrong things. Turn with me, if you would, today, if you could find it, to the Old Testament book of Haggai. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can go to gracetucson.org slash Bible on your smartphones and you can follow along there. We're going to look at just a few verses there in the next portion of this book, verses 10 through 19 of Haggai chapter 2. Now let me just warn you as we get ready to read this passage, some of what you're about to hear is going to be a little bit confusing at first. 
The first time I heard it, I was confused, so don't feel bad. But we're going to listen to it, and then we're going to go back and unpack what it means. So Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches his whole bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with the dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward. Before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, but there were ten. When one came to the wine vat and to draw fifty measures, there were twenty I struck you with all the products of your toil, with blight, with mildew, with your hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day onward, I will bless you. God is speaking through this old prophet, this old preacher named Haggai. And this is his third sermon in this, in this book. It's especially directed at the priests or the religious leaders of his day. But really this is a message to all of them and a message to us as well once we figure out what it says. Now, what is all this in verses 12 and 13 about putting meat in your robes and touching dead bodies? How many of you were confused by that when you heard that? Any of you? Okay. You know, I read several things about these verses uh, when I was studying this, and it confused me more than anything else. I finally reached out to a friend of mine who's on my preaching team here at Grace who fills in when I'm gone, and we kind of dug into this together and started to figure out what this uh, passage actually is speaking about. And here's the short of it. Back then, one of the ways people worshipped God was through sacrificing animals to to repent of their sins, right? They, and they had a system down. People would bring these animals to the priests and they knew how to kill them a certain way and there was this process that they followed. And one important stipulation that was, that was true back then was that when a priest was getting ready to offer a sacrifice, he had to be clean. Physically, spiritually, he needed to be clean. And so there were all these things that describe, in the Old Testament that describes what makes you unclean. And one of those was even, it even got, went to the detail of saying, if you happen to have touched a dead body as a priest before you do this, then you can't really, you can't offer this sacrifice, you're, you're unclean. So, it's really interesting in this moment that as we look at that and we look at what Paggy is saying to them, he's reminding them of this, but at the same time, the opposite of that isn't true. In other words, if a priest hung out around a dead body, he couldn't then hang around some other priest who hadn't hung around a dead body and kind of get clean again. He couldn't be around someone who was holy to become holy again. You can be around something that is unholy and become unholy, but just being in proximity around someone who is holy doesn't make you holy. Does that make sense? That's what he's telling them. That's what he's reminding them of. I'd call it the, the principle of proximity. Being around godly people doesn't give you a relationship with God. 
But being around ungodly people can push you farther away from God, right? That's that's easy to, to, to follow. And that's why Amos says that we're to run from evil so that we can live. Now, this whole idea of meat in your pocket or meat in your robes that you might have seen in your translation there, I know that probably was like, what in the world is all, that all about, Dave? Let me, give, let me kind of, I mean, that would have been a context, that was an illustration that they would have totally understood 2,000 years ago. Let me translate it into a modern day context so it'll make sense for you. The meat in the robes or the meat in the pocket is kind of like going to church. Going to church and hanging around godly people doesn't give you a relationship with God, does it? Earlier this morning, some of you were raising your hands and you were truly praising and worshiping God to these kid videos. And there may have been some of you in the room and you're like, I can't do this. I can't get into worshiping God through kid videos. But there was someone right next to you perhaps who was. Being in proximity to someone who's worshiping God doesn't make you a worshiper of God. Being around someone who is godly doesn't make you godly. Being in church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than being in a garage makes you a car, right? And the danger is you can go through life thinking that you're following God because you're in church or because you're around godly people. But that doesn't give you a relationship with God at all, right? I mean, there was a time in my life when I wasn't following God at all. I went to church every Sunday. I sang the songs. I did all the right things. I came into church with a hangover after clubbing uh, all night, Saturday night, listening to Nirvana music. Any old Nirvana fans out there? Oh, I loved Nirvana back then. I went, and I went to church on Sunday morning, and I went through the motions, but I didn't feel God one whit. I'd leave each Sunday no different than when I came in. I don't know if this is speaking to you at all. I hope it is if you're finding yourself in that place today like I was. God isn't elusive. God isn't playing hide-and-go-seek with you. But as Jeremiah says, God says through Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that... That is what I hope you walk away with today. That's the the principle that Haggai was speaking to those people that day as he was talking about meat in your robes and dead bodies. He was telling them that we'll hear from God and our best ideas and our best plans will be made when we first submit them to God. When we pray, God, here's what I can offer you. Here's what I see. Here's what I believe. Here's what I think I'm supposed to do next in my life, but... What do you think? I mean, look at verse 17 again. It says, God says to the people through Haggai, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and mildew and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. You didn't turn to me. What is he saying? I love the message paraphrase of the Bible. It's kind of blunt and to the point oftentimes. Here's what the message says. It says, the translation of this verse. I hit you with drought and blight and hail. Everything you were doing got hit. But it didn't seem to phase you. You continued to ignore me. Now, remember what we learned so far in this series. That these are people who are hearing this message who love God. These are people who had a desire to follow God. But Haggai is saying, eh, you're not really. 
You look okay and, and you think you're okay, but you're not listening carefully to God. You're going about everything with your own wisdom, your own plans, your own priorities, and you're not prioritizing God's kingdom priorities. And God is convicting them in this moment. He's convicting the religious leaders in that moment. He's saying, you're, God's saying to them, you're not listening to me. You're not even trying. You're doing, just doing what you think seems best to you. And you're saying that it's God's will. You're ignoring me even as I do all of these things to try to get your attention in your midst. Can I ask you a really straightforward question this morning? It's a question that I think might help you take a step closer to Christ this morning. How carefully are you listening to God in your life? With the decisions that you're making, with the plans that you're setting for your life, are you expecting God to chase you down? Or is God cha- are you chasing God down? How often do you say, God, this decision I'm about to make, this is... This is a really important decision to me, and it's one where I so value your voice, your input, your direction in this. My ideas, they don't really matter. God, your ideas, your thoughts on this are what are most valuable to me. Listen, if we don't take the time to turn to God and to pray in these daily things in our lives, before we make these important decisions in our lives particularly, we can miss out. On God's best. What we're talking about today isn't even just true in our own lives and in the lives of our loved ones. It's also true about our community here at Grace. I mean, take this expansion proposal that Grace, the Grace leaders are presenting this month to us to consider. That would, exp- would expand our campus here. That would add about 3,200 square feet of space. Almost double our parking I- I- outside. We're doing, you know, they're suggesting this so that more ministry can take place for all those that God draws here over in the months and the years to come. It would be so easy for us to make our own opinions known without ever truly bringing these thoughts and ideas to God. Without ever taking this up to God and saying, submitting this to God and saying, God, what do you want for us as a community here? To say, God, here's what I think or here's what we think. But show us what you see. You know, one of my, my favorite, actually, my favorite psalm in all of Scripture is Psalm 127. I read it frequently. In fact, I have some of those verses posted on the walls of my office to remind me of what it says. And I love what the first verse in Psalm 127 says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. In fact, the NIV puts it this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers or the builders labor in vain. In other words, you can spend all this time thinking that you've got God's best in mind and do all these things in God's name. But if God's not behind it, you're wasting your time. Right? And at the same token, and this is really speaking to the people in Haggai's day, you can get so focused on your own priorities and not listen to God, and you can miss out on God's kingdom work. And rob yourselves and others. We could be robbing our community of God's best. Of of our opportunity to bless them in the months and years to come. If we miss what God is saying to us in this critical moment. Our best decisions will come from the time 
that we spend humbly before God on our knees. Our best decisions in our lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our community won't come as we're talking and debating different ideas, but as we submit them to God and we say, God, we want what you want. Speak clearly to us on what you want. That's why, as a community, we are kind of setting this week aside to listen to God. It's why on Wednesday night, we're calling a special night of prayer and worship here at Grace uh, for an hour to just focus on listening to God's voice and offering our praises up to Him about this. It's also why, starting on Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we're going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil. And in uh, your programs today, you'll see there's a, a, you can go to gracetucson.org slash space. It can lead you under next steps to a place where you can sign up for a 15-minute block on, a, on this prayer vigil. You can pray from home or at work, wherever you might be. You can come here if you want. But I want to encourage you, each one of you, to take one of those blocks of time, set it aside, and submit this to God with us. So that we can hear from God and what he's saying. And then all of us will be gathered after our main services next Sunday. After we see many people baptized right here in this room during our services. Uh, at 12.15 we're going to gather together as a community and pray once more. And talk about this decision before we make it finally. So I want to encourage you to please join us this week as we submit this to God. And we pray and ask God to bring clarity to us. Now... There are two people here at Grace who have really spoken into my life over the last few months. Two people who have been on different teams that have been working on this project. I want to encourage Jane Cates and Dave DeGroote to join me for just a moment. Would you give them a hand? Jane's been a part of our building team and has been using her gifts to try to figure out what it is that we really need here moving forward. And I asked Jane to just share a few words. And also David. David's on our our elder board, our spiritual leadership team. Uh, Jane, would you just share with us a few of your thoughts about this? Sure. When the design team first met, we needed to determine how we would approach this project. Rather than focusing only on the immediate needs of the children's ministry, we decided to do an analysis of the entire facility. This is a process I used during my career as a commercial designer. Our analysis clearly showed that we do not have enough support space to serve a full congregation in this existing sanctuary. The proposal that has been presented would complete our facility. When the sanctuary is at full capacity, all other spaces would also be at full capacity. I don't think of our proposal so much as an expansion, but rather a completion of our facility. As I've listened to David's sermons this month, it hit me that we're at the same place the Israelites were at when Haggai called them to finish the temple. The plan we are presenting to you is for a completed facility. The question we each need to take to God in prayer is whether or not now is the time to complete the work. If the answer is yes, then we should also ask God how we can best support this project as it moves forward. The burden that's weighed on my heart throughout this process is that our church will be unified in whatever decision we make. The only way we will get to that point is through prayer If we each go humbly to God, in prayer, seeking his wisdom and will, the final decision should be unified. Thank you, Jay. 
Dave? Uh, I've been a public school teacher, and uh, uh, Jane is talking to some of the big uh, global concerns. I'd like to just talk to one, speak to one uh, smaller concern within the expansion, and that's uh, kids with special needs. Uh, I had seven of these kids included in, into my classroom last year and talking about Asperger's um, or uh, ADD, ADHD, autism. Um, we also here in Grace have kids like this just included in the general population of the kids and young adults. Uh, we don't notice them on the stage, but they're in there, and their uh, parent just talked to me. Uh, they're uh, coming to know the Lord, and uh, we're reaching out to special needs kids. And that's one small aspect of this expansion is that we can continue to do this. We can't do it if the kids are packed out and uh, like sardines in the room. That's, this won't be a very good environment. But I'd like to, uh, I'm praying about this, and I'd like to encourage you to pray about this. Where is the Lord leading us with this population of special needs, um, young adults, children, uh, even adults? Uh, here's a chance for us to minister to these needs, I believe. Yeah, in our community as well. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's take a moment to pray. Father, I give thanks to those who came before me here at Grace and were faithful to step out in faith to build the facility we now have. We come to you now as a congregation seeking to know your will. Please speak clearly to us so we know if now is the time to complete our church building. I ask for unity in the church body as we submit to your will. Soften our hearts to receive your direction. Our deepest desire is to glorify you, Lord, by expanding your kingdom here on earth. We come to you seeking your direction on how you want us to accomplish that task. Thank you, Lord, for the individuals among us, whether adults or young adults or children, who have special needs. We actually learn from them. Father, as we're at a crossroads now with serving these individuals, we pray for your guidance. Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Lord, as we are here this morning and we are searching your will for us as a community, Lord, I also want to pray for those who are here, who in their own lives are, are just, Lord, many of us, we have decisions to make, important decisions, potentially life-changing decisions about our futures, about the relationships, about our careers, so many things, Lord, our, our, the, the places you're calling us to make a kingdom difference. And Lord, it, it's so easy for us to just kind of drift through life, to just kind of go from day to day to day and think we'll take some time to pray, to think we'll take some time to listen to you. And Lord, forgive us for those times when we don't do that, when we just kind of go on autopilot ourselves. Lord, this morning we commit to you to pray, to pray, to lift those things up to you today and in this week. And Lord, to ask for you to guide us. Lord, help us to see those things in our lives that you're calling us to that are perhaps even bigger than ourselves. Those things that might give us fear or anxiety. Lord, I just, just feel like today God's wanting to speak to some of you who are here today. And God's called you to something and there's been this anxiety. There's just been this fear that's caused you to hesitate. And for some of you, I just believe with all my heart, God is saying, you have no need to fear. 
for I am with you. Lord, give us all that strength, that courage to trust you as we know without a shadow of a doubt you are calling us to something, even if it is bigger than ourselves. God, would you give us a love for our community and our world, those people around us who are broken, who are hurting, who are struggling. Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves and our own needs, our own desires, our own focus for the things that are important to us and onto those around us who need to experience the love of God, who need to experience compassion, to experience mercy, forgiveness, when it's deserved and even when it isn't. Lord, may we be tools in your hands each and every day. Forgive us for those times when we miss you. God, we commit our days to you for as long as you give them to us here on this earth. In Christ's name, amen.